Ignorance of each other is what has made unity impossible in the past. Therefore, we need enlightenment. We need more light about each other. Light creates understanding, understanding creates love, love creates patience, and patience creates unity. Once we have more knowledge about each other, we will stop condemning each other, and a more unified front will come about. My name is Neil Logic Donaldson. I am the founder and executive director of a nonprofit arts education organization, Stolen from Africa. I'm joined here with my colleague, Segan Akinsanya, who is the founder of the Responsibility Program. The Responsibility Program is a learning platform that aims to enhance the personal and professional development of participants through emotional intelligence, communal connection, and overall well-being. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't even believe we're here. It's so interesting to actually be here with this program, the space of just like how powerful stories are. People don't have time in their day to feel safe and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And stories create that avenue for them to do that, but it also creates that avenue for it to be educational at, at the same time. And it's not yeah. like technical, it's more relatable. Absolutely. I would agree, you know, um, doing this program for the past like six years within schools, like the benefits that I've shown for me was to have more like self-awareness, you know, like by sharing these stories mm -hmm. and being seen, heard, understood and supported allowed me to really have like deep reflections and then have the ability to make more proactive choices and decisions, you know? The ability to respond. And especially in like the most like challenging situation because life will always bring obstacles and curveballs left, right, and center. Exactly. But it's really about how can we be proactive in our responses, you know, instead of being reactionary. Now, speaking of being transformative, like, what are some of the, I guess, like, like outcomes that you've seen, like, within students? The, the strides these young people make and the, and the obstacles they overcome, it always makes me feel like, it's just like sometimes we don't know how powerful it is until you realize that they, when they come to you and they say, well, I'm here because of you, or I'm here right. because of this opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah, allowing people to be seen, heard, understood, and supported, and, you know, really to know that they, they have a story and that people are really taking note of it. You know, it's really empowering, mm -hmm. you know, and then that's, I believe, like where the transformation takes place to the point where what I've noticed within our programs is like the students have created, you know, a, a sense of like a, a support system amongst each other. Because of the vulnerability, they're creating a space that allows vulnerability, that allows a deeper intimacy amongst each other. They've been able to support each other within these systems. It's just like, you know, this program has legit yeah, it, changed my it, life. It's beautiful. And, and that is what like leads to us taking the, you know, the framework of the responsibility program and creating something for, for the teachers. When you think about things, you don't really know what's going to actually happen like that. Yeah. The teachers were the exact same as the young people, their stories, right. their mannerisms, hey. the way they opened up. This program is the human project. Hey. It creates a space hey. for people to, uh, share and be vulnerable in a sense where it's not, it's not rigid. It's like, I'm being vulnerable because I'm able to express my life. You know, but through that expression and the session with the teachers, like the, the question that was posed was to list a time when something outside of school impacted their ability to, to teach. Oh yes. Right. <laughs> the amazing things that came out anonymously were incredible. And I recall like, you know, some of the themes that came up were death and loss, mental health, anxiety, depression, mind state, fear and anxiety. There we go. Absolutely. That was the last one. Yeah. But those are the general themes that always come up. So we said to the teachers, right? We're like, 
what inhibits your ability to educate is the same that it inhibits a young person's ability to be educated. It's, it's all, you know, part, part of the same. And it goes back to the foundation of humanity and the whole desire of being seen, heard, understood, and supported, as well as having the ability to, to respond. So us, you know, having this powerful session that also allow teachers who've been working together for like 15 plus years together mm -hmm. that may not have really understood some of their, their, their human elements, you know, cause you're, they're just at work doing what they got to do. But this was a time to kind of really unpack a, a little bit of that to really give insight. But I think with the teacher process, I think what we really learned from that is we need to create a space to allow some space for solutions. Absolutely. Because, you know, I, I feel like what was not day and night is that these adults are dealing with, it's not, it's not what they're dealing with that's different. Their margin for error hey. is limited. Their margin for error is, is limited. So wow. that's the space where we felt like we needed to bring someone that has those experiences. Absolutely. And that has that understanding. And it also has the ability to kind of help heal, understand, and feel, what, what is it? Seen, heard, understood, and supported. And supported, right? That's right. So I think that's where we brought in this amazing person who's an igniter. Shauna, welcome. Thank you for, for being here and to be able to share your experiences coming from being a, a, a teacher and educator and then transitioning into um, a psychotherapist. Hey, well, thanks for having me. I was, first, let me say, I'm very impressed with what the two of you are accomplishing here. And it's really good to be part of that conversation. It's one that needs to be had over okay. and over again. So some more people having it, the better we can help them be, hold on, uh, heard, seen, heard, understood, and supported, supported. There we go. right? Yeah, because that's what it's all about. Everybody yeah. wants that. Everybody. Kids and teachers. So to give you some insight, I was a teacher of the deaf and hard of hearing in the York Region Board for 16 years. And my job was to go from school to school and support the students with hearing loss, finding accessibility in academic and environment in their rooms. So I was in over 100 classrooms over that 16 years. And I saw what you are saying over and over again. Mm -hmm. A lot of my job ended up me supporting the teacher in the classroom as much as the child. I'd walk in and she'd be like so happy that I was in her space to share solutions, mm. right? Because you're an island on your own in your classroom. Mm. You get a little bit of support, but you really are in there five hours a day on your own, mm. right? With all these little humans mm. and you're changing lives. But like you said, the margin of error mm. is really little. If you're having a bad day, that impacts that mm -hmm. and that mental health piece is not part of our education system yeah. enough yet, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So here's some solutions. So as a teacher of the deaf and hard of hearing for 16 years, I loved my job, but I was always up against challenges mm -hmm. and I always tried to find solutions, but it became exhausting. And there's a lot of, you know, nobody likes change. I have two adult children with cochlear implants. They were born profoundly deaf and have some mental health and some learning disabilities. So getting them from JK to um, graduating high school was quite, quite a journey. And through that, I learned so many ways to find solutions, do things outside the box. I also realized how much trouble there was. I think kindness, accessibility, inclusion, diversity, empowerment. Right. What did you say? Seen, heard, understood, supported. That needs to be part of the everyday curriculum. So... Over the years in that field, I just started feeling less and less um, empowered. I kept feeling like I can do less and less. My heart was sinking lower and lower. 
I didn't have passion. Mm. I was really kind of shutting down. There wasn't enough support for me to deal with what was going on in the system and at home. Mm. So I took a leave of absence. Um, I, I did experience death, I, the suicide of my brother about six years ago. So I was very lucky. I knew and I was in therapy. So I took a leave of absence, mm. which was wonderful. I got to heal my family and spend time in that grief. And then as I started to realize that the teaching wasn't for me anymore, I had to have a plan B. And I decided the best way to do it is through what I love is talking, helping solutions. I went back to school to become a psychotherapist. It was the best way to heal from my brother's death, my family falling apart, you know, all of that. And then start to realize all the pieces of my life, all the things I saw, what I can do on the other side. So I'm all about empowering the teachers to have that ability to ask for help, get support, get therapy, be part of programs like this, invite others in to make change. That's incredible. You know, like you really, you know, used your, you know, every, all your, your knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to be really proactive. You know, like you, you could have been reactionary. It could have brought you into a even darker place, but you said that, Hey, I want to do something about it. Now you're making change, not just for yourself, but for others. So thank you for that. That's, that, that's incredible. Wow. No, no, I, honestly, I think that's just, uh, that's, it, it feels like that's a natural evolution mm -hmm. to be in a space where you're helping young people, helping students to helping the teachers and then feeling that trauma to saying, I need to help myself and right. then come into a space where it's now like, I'm taking all of this and trying to give it back to help them again. So we still have some, some responses from the teachers from our, um, our, our, our workshop or presentation and we broke them down to the themes and this theme that we're going to start off with is death and loss. These are some of the experiences that teachers have faced that may have impacted their ability to teach. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a behind story. Behind their smile. Behind their smile. Okay. So let's start off with this one here. So it says in 2010, one of our students passed away. After her death, it was excruciating teaching the class she was in and seeing her empty desk amongst her peers. It was a challenge to get through each class without crying. It was difficult to support my students when I was struggling with intense grief myself. Let me know when this was shared. I remember reading this, man. And every time I think about it, I go back to, you know, that, that high school moment where it's like, I never got to, this teacher reminds me of my teacher that dealt with a student, a student's death. And, who's a young person, I, I was there and I remember he was sitting on the balcony and they threw him a pop can and he went to try to grab the pop can and he fell over it, right? And I remember being in that class and everybody was grieving, but the teacher was like ice walked, like just just dealing with it. And who did, who, who did know what the teacher's dealing with, right? To even handle that. Who knows what's going on in their life? Right. And we all depended on the teacher and then nobody was there for the teacher. And that's what, so that's where I feel like this story reminds me of that and understanding that. Right. And like, I'm saying to myself, it's like, what does someone even do in that position? Well, that's where I come in. When you look at grief, just think about in a child's life, in any adult's life, you have grief all the time, right? You can lose a pet. You can lose a friend. You can lose a job. You can lose an activity on a team. Loss is there all the time. So where is loss part of our 
curriculum? Where is it even part of our conversation every day? So let's take it back and look at the solutions that your type of program brings in. When you tell me this stuff, we think about right away that every teacher should know how to talk about grief in some way or the other. Well, how would we do that? What about having conversations about grief or having access to therapists who know how to talk about grief? Maybe adding that into a PA day, right? Mm -hmm. You know, here you bring up all the things, all these themes with your questions in your program. I really look at it as, what are we doing on the next steps? How are we actually giving them the solutions? So giving them programs to meet these needs, do those surveys of teachers. What do you need to feel good? Because yeah, how do you know how to deal with loss? How do you know where you can be vulnerable and be strong at the same time? Because teachers are taught to stand in the room and be the boss. Hard to let go and show your tears. What if you're a teacher and you started crying in front of the classroom and you couldn't grab control? I cry all the time. I don't think I want to cry in front of 20 kids, mm -hmm. right? So I would yeah. hold it in. Then what? There's no relief for teachers. So if the teachers use their voice to tell the story and then the story gets relayed to the principals and then the principals take those stories from all the teachers as an ask, bring this these solutions, we need help. What themes do each school need help with? You bring up the stories and we find solution. That's what we want. That, that's beautiful. Like what you just described is exactly authoritative mindfulness. Like that's exactly what it's all about. Taking our experiences and the things that, that we're going through and, and really just transforming it so that we can create better communities, better spaces and health and the experience that we're going through. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have another one that says, a student of mine from my last placement before the pandemic died this year. I found out that he came to this school. I haven't been able to completely process everything that came from it. To have a student die, how does someone deal with it? Again, that's what I mean by the teachers is night and day, because there's been countless conversations where young people share anonymously that their friends have died. Yes. Their friends have died. This is what they're holding with They're holding on to that. And they're like saying, how do I deal with that? And now we're saying to these teachers, how do they deal with that? It's, everyone's dealing with death and loss. And I, and I just know that like, even when I think about some of these young people, because there's so many, it's like how crippling that feeling is because I know I deal with loss too, yes. right? Real, and how yeah. crippling that feeling is because it's, it's something where you feel powerless and it's an emotion you have to, uh, as my therapist always says, it's emotion you have to validate and let it pass through you. So put some solutions in the school. Here's a corner that validates that person's life. You write letters, you express yourself, you share memories with that corner again, passed on to the parents. There you're giving the parents memories that they don't know or have. How would the parents know how to get the memories from friends, right? Hey. So you can build that kind of stuff. Parents would love that. How about teachers? knowing how to have that conversation, maybe getting someone in the class to support the teacher and having the conversation. We're really sad today. Schools have professionals attached to them. So having them in place, writing letters, there's all those type of knowing the stages of grief, right? Yeah. Kids use social media, go on TikTok and look up what to do when I have yeah. loss. It's there. So a teacher can even access that through TikTok and show it to the kids to start a conversation. In that moment, if you can take that shame away from feeling grief and vulnerability in any way and ask someone for help, that one little ask, try it, 
can you help me? I need yeah. help. I need some support. It's not so hard to ask, and yet that's one of the hardest things. That's one of the things we yeah. don't do. Yeah. So how does your program open up that conversation to, you can ask for help. Someone will help you. Absolutely. And that I, as you're speaking, it reminds me of like how we start off like our, our programs, which is with a check-in. Mm -hmm. You know, the check-in is really what kind of sets the tone like for, for the day. So we ask them how they're feeling on a scale from one to 10. Sometimes days are not so great. Some days are, are amazing, but depending on the responses, we're able to like, you know, respond, you know, we have the ability to respond and cater and support students so that they feel seen, heard, understood. Yeah. All right. So we'll get into the uh, next comment here. This one says earlier on in my career, my younger sister was going through some mental health issues. She had attempted to take her life. I never told anyone at work, but it was extremely hard to focus. I would go to work, but my mind would be elsewhere. And then when I would go home to help relieve my parents and watch my younger sister, it was a 24 seven job that was super stressful and made it extremely difficult to focus during the day. That's heavy. Of course it's heavy. And you know, this just brings me back to, I remember even me dealing with the same exact thing. It's uh, my close friend and they were going through a lot. And I remember one day I'm in work, I'm in this meeting and then they hit me up and they say, I'm here, I'm ready to take my life away. Just via text and I look around and I'm like, I'm in this meeting and I'm like, I gotta leave. And I just left and I was lucky enough to do that. Well, but again, is a teacher lucky enough to do that? They can't even like, I, I, I learned that a teacher can't even have their soul with them. So how do they even deal with that, right? You know, like, what yeah. do you do in that? What do you do in that situation? Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you set up a system where you set rules that have to be for the safety of everyone. It's mm -hmm. not bad. You don't want your teacher on the phone. Is it? But what happens when you're a teacher? Do you take a day off? Do you take a week off? Do you take a leave? How do you deal with that? It's a lot of work for a teacher to make the plans to even leave. And then the guilt to go with, you know, so yes, you have the... the you have the stuff at home that's happening, but in the school, the teacher feels a sense of responsibility to their students, to their teachers. They don't want the judgment of others leaving. So again, being able to open up that conversation through your program where you say to people, what do you need help with? What can we do for you? Are you ready? What do you need? That kind of stuff, right? Because if you have that going on on a consistent basis, then you know what's gonna happen. People are gonna ask for help. Yeah. And if they ask for help, the conversation goes over and over and over again. Yeah, you know, it, it just reminds me that, that we all have our stuff. And by hearing people's stories on what they're struggling with mental health, it showed me that we need more compassion. We need more and more yeah. empathy, like less judgment. It's easy to judge someone by the way, how, how they respond or they're acting a certain way that just may be non-desirable and through these experiences and just hearing more stories, it has allowed me to like not only empathize with others, but also myself as well. Right. And so it has put me in a space for a lot of like reflection and just to, you know, see what, what I can do. And then to know that it's like you mentioned, it's okay to ask for help. Like yeah. asking for help is something that's like been challenging for, for myself, but through these experiences and hearing other stories, it has also given me permission to know that, hey, like there are people around that want to support me, but I also have to, you know, make that step forward as well and let it be known. And you know, the thing, one thing over six years of doing this, like, that's why I say, I tell Neil all the time, it's like, I go in a 10 and I leave a one and it is heavy. It is, it does get heavy and it does drain energy. 
but it's you know what it is it's almost like being this like uh and i don't know i don't know if this is the right word but being this beacon allowing this energy to kind of just drop on you right because you're holding space that's yeah there's because yeah. there's no space to actually have this energy and yeah. have these conversations and that's why it's uh you know that's why it has done its duty with these young people because every space they're told they're saying it's too hard to have these conversations and that's why we deliberately take that space to have these conversations mm -hmm. no one has the opportunity to kind of give them these spaces does that make yeah, sense yeah it does absolutely it's really powerful do you see it playing out in the classroom like do you when you follow up or when you those kids come back to you what happens do they go in do you see conversations starting in the schools the simplicity of it is they start to feel comfortable to feel vulnerable yeah yes. that's right absolutely and and that comfortable about feeling feeling vulnerable is so hard it's like even me that's why when i get in these spaces <laughs> anyone can see on me yeah. yeah i get into this space of like i allow myself to just be engulfed in in the stories right yeah. because you absorb i absorb well, I, I saw it here but right? that's okay as you were talking like here you started out and as you were talking your right. body goes down and it's amazing our body right. language yeah. And even me, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. As our conversations going in, I know it's a heavy conversation, and I know yeah. that you're making change. We're making change in yeah. compassion and empathy. But yeah, I feel it, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what do we do? Because if you're feeling it here, talking, what? imagine those teachers who those little kids every day yeah. are giving them all of that. So there's some like you, because I know right. you give energy, yes. right? Like you throw yeah. your energy yeah. in the room, you go in and you take everyone's soundness and you mm. engulf it, mm. right? So you get different things. Mm. Imagine those different kids in those rooms too. Absolutely. Right? Can we empower teachers to understand where their energy is and make that work with the kids too? What a great solution. Yeah. Do some energy work, figure out like who you are, what you need, how do you reset? Well, that kind of, you know, goes into one of the responses, which is under mental health overworking myself to the point of panic attacks or needing to call kids' cell phones. So it's like this constant overworking and giving, not knowing what to do with it. Right. Do you overwork? I'd say, I'd yeah. say yes. How about you? Uh, I've learned how to create space for work, but do it in a more efficient, smart manner. So yes, <laughs> you do. You love to work too, but you love to work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, par my, par my partner would laugh at me because it's it's work, but it's working in a way that doesn't overwork. That's okay. As a teacher, you care so much about each human at every level you teach that you have 20 little humans on your head, sometimes more. Yeah. You want to give them each five minutes. That's like a hundred minutes each, yeah. right? That's just in your thought. And what if you want to do something for each one of them? So what if we find a way yeah. to empower parents? That's my bigger goal in my mm -hmm. practice, is to empower parents to support their kids, to help the teachers meet the kids' needs. Right, right. Johnny had a really bad night. When he has a bad night, he can't focus. Right. Maybe he won't do his homework, send it home, I'll do it with him. Imagine if the teacher didn't have to worry about getting Johnny to do his homework all the time, right? Right. Mm -hmm. You think about even what the teacher assumes every day. You go in and you see all these people, all these humans and all these teachers, and all of a sudden you're like listening to their stories. Right. You're making judgments in positive ways. Judgment doesn't have to be negative. 
Your judgments are fast opinions of what I can do to help you feel good. It's like download and deliver, right? That is important judgments. Teachers do the same thing. How do we empower them to download and deliver quickly? We give them the same conversations over and over. Feel vulnerable. That's it. Know how much you work. Be comfortable being uncomfortable mm -hmm. yeah. and expressing your truth and being authentic. And you know, this leads to other comments, you know, that, that tap into like, you know, anxiety, you know, so dealing with uh, the deliberating anxiety episodes made it difficult for me to concentrate on being a good and present teacher. And then another one says, I have anxiety about not being enough. We're not doing enough. Feeling like I have to overcompensate to be this happy-go-lucky person when in reality, sometimes I am struggling with feeling overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. It brings me back to this like one young person who was like, they were basically always talking about how when they went through school, they weren't even able to like walk without feeling the fear of what's happening around them, wow. feeling overwhelmed. And, and the saddest part about that is it didn't come from the school environment. It came from their home environment. Right. So they weren't able to cope in the school environment because what's happened outside of the schools. Impacts. Right? And it's just like how anxiety is such a real thing. Because even when we're in the program, we, you know it. That's why the anonymous piece was brought into it. Right. It's because there's this anxiety to share, yeah. Yeah. this anxiety to feel judged, this anxiety yeah. to open up because someone might use it against you and, the, and feel overwhelmed by Because even sometimes, there was this young kid in the, the program this year. He was overwhelmed by the fact of just sharing because everything he was sharing was reminding him of what's going on at home that he had right. to deal with, Trigger, that he's yeah. trying to run away from through school right. and through staying out and getting in trouble. Right, so let's turn that. Here's that child who, if a teacher has time or if someone takes an interest, which it's hard because one teacher for 20 kids. It's just not enough time in a day. There's not enough support. That has to change. We know that. It's not going to yet, but it will. So that kid, what if that kid can go, that human goes to somebody and says, I need a, I need a perspective. I need some help. Can you just tell me there's hope at the end of the tunnel? Because sometimes you don't even know what you don't know. That's right? A, yes. I, I have a, yeah, I run a camp in the summer called Karma Country Camp. And it's for teens 12 and up with anxiety, ADHD, and autism. And it's all about friendships and self-identifying who you are. Because your parents lead a lot of what you do when you have anxiety. They make things better for you so that you don't have anxiety. That's true. Yes. But then you go out in the world and your anxiety goes with you and no one's there to fix the pieces. And then you just go through life and you become in your job. And the anxiety follows you everywhere you go. So then you overwork, you get that whole feeling in your head. I'm not good enough. I can do better. No, but you're never going to do good enough for anyone, yeah. including yourself, yeah. right? No one's ever going to tell you you're doing a good job all the time, except for you, yeah. right? So where's that conversation happening? Yeah. That's the stuff we want to yeah. give these kids, the next right. piece in the classroom. That's parents and teachers having conversation. Mm. We need that piece in there too, right? Teachers, right? Responsibility for teachers and responsibility for parents. Right? How do the teachers get the message to the parents? Love how? That. In a newsletter? Like, how many newsletters do you get in your in inbox? Probably 200 in there. Well, I never right? get to them. Right. So how do we get this going with this information highway that is overwhelming? Yes. Do we have to do it through words, right? Back to the basics. 
I believe so. Like there is the power in his storytelling and, and it proves itself like over and over again. And that's the way how we're able to like, to really connect on that human level mm. through our experiences and stories and, and sharing, you know, to be seen, heard, understood yeah, and, and supported, mm. you know, um, this also leads into um, another key point that, that came up during our, our session with the teachers on authoritative mindfulness, which is the fear of failure. Oh, we're in fear of failure right the now. Fear of failure. I mean, you can only imagine the amount of like pressure it is you know, in these environments, you know, to, to be perfect, you know, like God forbid. Not even perfect, just get through a day. Teachers' yeah. expectations usually, honestly, are just to get through a day. Wow. Yeah, think about everything they have at home. What do you do with it when you go into a classroom for, let's see, nine, 10, three, 10, 11, 12, one, two, three, six hours, you get an hour for lunch. Right. So for five hours of the day, you have to be on yes. and lead for humans. Yes. How do you do that when you have thoughts that come in your head? You're overwhelmed, you're anxious, you're depressed, you're sad, you're worried. How do you do that? Where do you put all those feelings? Right? How do you, so where, where's our solutions? Let's find a way to get your program out there more and more and more and more and more. So these conversations happen in every different organization. Yeah, absolutely. Because like for us, like through these conversations, then whether it's a school or a place at other places of business, um, you know, participants are able to create like a network amongst themselves, support systems amongst themselves yeah. within these larger systems. Resource kits on your website that teachers can access and buy, right? So they have the tools that we're talking about, that they have the tools that you know right. to do in their classroom, that other piece. Right, like, there needs to be so many layers of this to get it going and started, but it starts with so many conversations. Absolutely. Let's get into um, some of the experiences here. So this one uh, teacher said, a student who switched out of my class opened up to me about experiencing emotional abuse at home. I was told not to go any further, not to get involved because it was not my job and mm -hmm. technically it isn't. After finding out her younger sister, also a student in the school had overdosed I felt that I had failed the student in several ways. Like, where do you go with all that? That's so much to, to hold on to. And like, What's the, you, you kind of uh, want to support, but you're like, hey. You need to report, mm. right? So realistically, she actually has by law a duty to report. Mm. So when an administrator tells you not to, it puts you in a position of, do I listen? Do I follow the rules? Who's right in that situation? Yeah. And there's lives on the line, right? And it's a responsibility. So I, I always bring it back to the very important that teachers are very grateful and lucky to have benefits. Use them. Go to, if you don't want to talk about your personal life because you're not at vulnerability yet mm. and maybe you're not ready to dive into that stuff. Mm. This is big stuff. Look what you uncovered. Right? In one afternoon? Yeah. This well, is what yeah. you uncovered. Yeah. That's crazy. This is living in all our schools. So yeah. use your benefits to go to a therapist just to talk about school, if that's yeah. how it starts. Let's talk about how you are as a teacher. Yeah. Start getting that support. Start making a support group with your other teachers. Yes. You know, access your brains to ask more questions and figure things out. How do teachers ask for this in the school? How do we get them to do that, right? Because we can sit in these stories. There's millions of them Absolutely. at every school, right? Look at three in one school had grief, four had anxiety, you know, most have yeah. mental health yeah. at this point. That's, Anyone yeah. who taught yeah. COVID has some mental health. Absolutely. Right? 
because most people who made it through COVID were changed completely. But if you had to entertain children online for a whole day, yeah, you should be, a, a you're a superstar, right? <laughs> superstar, like burn out. And then they jump back in the classroom with all that energy, right? Look what you're doing. You're bringing those, that negativity to the surface, making it okay. Absolutely. And the last one in this um, uh, bracket here says, I have felt since I joined the staff that I've had a crisis of identity and ability. Are my decisions the right ones? Did I end up in the right career? My biggest worry is that my indecisions will hurt someone. No, and, that, and that's what like, uh, I think that goes back to that margin of error, right? right? Like that margin of error is so limited and it's so, you know, they're dealing with so much and you know, even that like emotional abuse is like that teacher, this, this teacher and even the other teacher, they're saying to themselves, like, okay, one saying to themselves, I worked my whole life to get somewhere. Mm. My whole life to get somewhere and yes. I'm here. And yes. I'm here now, I'm like so disappointed that I don't want to be here. Well, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. want to be here. So you spend basically almost 10 to 15 years of your life, if right. we make an assumption, yeah. to get to somewhere. It from like, kid, you're just Broken. woken up to this and right. now you don't even want to be here. And then yeah. it's even in the system, it's like, of course you're feeling the crisis of identity. Look at what they're dealing with. And you have parents, there's another incident that just recently happened. You have the parent where the social worker told me over the four years, every time they try to get involved with this young person, not try to take him out the home, but they knew right. the home was uh, right. an issue, the parent would step in and say, no, you can't help him. No, you can't. Right. Help. Do you like when I tell right. you how to do your job? But here's the, here's this, this, it's, that's what it is. But here's, but here's the result. The kid now was in a beef in the school for three years, turned into stabbed the kid, yeah. right? So he went, so now he's in jail for attempted murder. And then he moved on to do all of this robbery stuff, wow. right? And then the parent comes back with the audacity to say, you social worker, tell the courts what happened in his school so that he can get out of it. But the social worker was there. Yeah, but you're, gonna, you're always going to be faced with parents who don't want to take responsibility for the mistakes they make in parenting. We all make mistakes in parenting. It's really easy, right? Yeah. But how do you tell the teacher that you made a big mistake? Shameful. Teacher doesn't want to deal with it. They judge. Of course you judge all the time. If a, <laughs> a child comes into school, it's trying to figure out what's wrong. Right. If the parents aren't working, you're working with a child in those hours, you're trying to do your best. It's always going to be hard. You're going to lose so many. There's only so much we can do. You know, this kind of reminds me of this quote from um, uh, a gentleman by the name of Marshall Rosenberg, who's like the founder of nonviolent communication. Mm -hmm. and, and what he says, you know, he says, when, when people hear a request as a demand, their responses are either submission or rebellion. Yeah. yeah. You know, so this goes back to, you know, authoritative mindfulness and allowing people to be seen, heard, understood, and supported. And, you know, really seeing how we can get those elements in place before we make a, a request to get people on board. Because I do believe that we all want the, the same thing. We do want to have balance and harmony in life, you know, but sometimes we just may not know what that pathway looks like. So there's lots of solutions out there when teachers and children, even our teens, we empower them to come up with solutions for their own lives. Mm, They're pretty smart. Absolutely. absolutely. Right? But Where's the space? These kind of programs can help them have that space to do that. That's where we want to keep getting back to, right? I hear these kind of stories every day, all day. All day. All day, every day. That's my job now. Wow. 
And that's better for me than it was as a teacher, because at least in my stories every day, I can give solutions without anyone telling me I can't, I'm wrong, I shouldn't. Absolutely. Right? So let's empower teachers to stand up and use compassion and empathy as leaderships in their teaching. Yeah, and also find supports amongst each other as well. You know, we all definitely need more of like a, a network within the systems as well. Um, this also leads into um, another thing that came up, which is work and home life balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is something that we understood with students. We saw how outside environments impacts their ability to learn within schools. But now we're learning that the teachers go through the same thing as well. Mm. There's things that are happening outside of school that are impacting their ability mm. to teach. See, I know what they're going to say. And uh, what know, are they going to say? Oh, uh, you know, I Outside of what they're going to say, I'm, I told them already, and I'll keep telling them, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Mm -hmm. well, How so? Like, what, what do you mean by that? Like, it's not... Because life hits you in so many different facets. Life hits you in so many different facets, and also you're conditioned, right? You're conditioned, and not conditioned, not to say conditioned only the bad thing is we're all conditioned because our environment creates who we are. And the people around us create who we are. But it's more around like, sometimes we make decisions and sometimes we get into spaces that we don't know that we're making these decisions. We're just making them subconsciously. And even if we think we're making them consciously, we're still making them subconsciously. Gotcha. So it's a sense of saying, it's not your fault because you know what? Don't hold that mistake to the highest precedent yeah. and say, hey, oh, I made this mistake and I don't have this home work-life balance. No, it's that I made this mistake and how do I keep moving forward? That's how do I learn from it? You yeah. know what I mean? And transform the energy, resilience. And that goes into this comment here from one of the teachers and it says, when I was yelled at multiple times by a fellow staff member, it even happened once in front of my students. I was unable to teach properly during that period afterwards and had to step away to catch my breath. Right, so, and, and then here's the unfair part. I'm saying that staff member is not their fault that they yelled at you. But yeah. here's, here's the deepest part. What was the What was that staff member dealing with before the day started mm -hmm. that allowed them to lose their temper or not consciously be able to control themselves in that space? Yeah. Right? But I'm making assumptions. Maybe this staff member well, like that all the time. But then here's the deeper part. What is that staff member? What's going on in their life that doesn't allow them to have that emotional control and that emotional religion? That voice. A thousand things, as you know already. <laughs> right? A thousand things. How do you balance? Again, when you're in a classroom all day dealing with emotions, how do you go home and drop that off? Where do you put it? How do you leave transition, it? Transition, yeah. Right? How do you transition? Those are really, those are great solutions and skills to teach. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. To teach teachers. But how the do you meditation. Right. How, how do you forgive? forgive that other staff member or create that relationship so that it's better? Well, so I, who onus is it on? Well, that is all about just what's the environment of the school. You're always going to have something like that, mm -hmm. right? Everyone, you're in a, you're in a, you're in an arena of people that are competing against each other for positions in a school. Who gets which duties? Who sits in the staff room with which teacher? Like, it's a, it's still high school. There's teachers that like each other, teachers that don't. This one will share with this one, but this one won't because they don't give back. This one hogs the printer. The whole work balance goes with balancing in, in period. It's still work. It's still a job, but it's a job where you don't get to be yourself all day. You put on a role as a teacher. If you're working in an office, 
You can take a 10 minute break and make a phone call. Call your friend, reset. You can listen to a podcast while you're typing. You can choose what part of your job you want to do at what time, right? Teachers don't get to do that. It's English at this time. It's math at this time. What if that altercation happened after they taught math, which is their worst subject to teach? They're already in, right? And the kids don't understand math. So it's always going to have that back and forth in an environment. It's always going to have negativity. What are we doing to create the positivity continually? Who's putting in those things? Where are we, the principals and the vice principals, asking for mental health and support? Who's asking for your program in their schools every single month, right? Mm. Those are the things I want to see. Making the priority. Mm. Yeah, like that, that. work-life balance is only going to happen when teachers feel supported, heard, understood in the school. In the school. Maybe share a couple of... Yeah, so this one says, um, dealing with a serious illness in my family has at times made it difficult to stay focused on the work that needs to be done, not being fully present, is counterproductive and unsatisfying. Another one says, I was so nervous about COVID, so it was hard to stay focused on teaching. And the last one here says, there has been seamlessly endless cycles of war, inequalities. There has been an environment crisis amongst other things, but my job involves giving students hope and helping them to see and or find it. But with all this, it's hard to do this. Sometimes it's easier just to turn in and focus on the basic curriculum, not on other things, where they can go from here and how to make things more relatable. And that's why I said it is day and night between the teachers and the students because both are dealing with the same things. They're just shaped in different ways. Both are dealing with mental health. Both are dealing with fear and anxiety. Both are dealing with school and home, school and life and home balance. <laughs> Death and loss. But that's why me and you really focus on this that conversation around creating a mechanism that allows the schools to respond to these new era challenges. Yeah. Because there's so many new challenges that, that are that are facing people, right? And problems aren't getting easier. And so it's just like, <laughs> you know, I, I get tired. Even saying all that is exhausting. It's it like, is. we're yeah. like, where's the space? Where's the space for this? And that's why this program was so powerful. And I remember us leaving, there were tears. Yeah. There were tears. Yeah. yeah. Tears in them. From teachers, yeah. From teachers walking up to us. They were yeah. crying. Thanking us too as well. Thanking us. Yeah. The hugs. <laughs> the hugs. Three yeah. minutes. Yes. Tight. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's powerful. I don't know, man. I, I that's why I always I always tell him so I don't know, but it's yeah. like in it instinctually you do know, but you know what you don't know. Because the it's it's I'll say this. We can do our best to put ourselves in other people's shoes even though we relate to that story, their stories, but that's a facade. Hey. So I always look at it as when you arrive in front of someone, arrive with your heart open. Be ready to love and accept. Mm. And then wait. If they deliver negativity, close your heart right away. Put your shield up and see if there's anything that's there that you can attach positivity for. I love that. Right? I love that. If they attach you with neutral, you know you can lead them. Right? Because someone who's neutral wants to choose positivity. They just sometimes don't have the energy or the knowledge, the mindset to do it. Leave. Right. Open the door. Say something. Because yes, every day can be negative. Every day can be negative. Throughout my life, I've had enough challenges that every morning I can choose, oh my God, is today today I'm just giving up? Or is today today then I'm gonna do it again? 
I used to write on my ceiling a whole like affirmation mes message. You can do it. It's just another day. You can do it. Right? Yeah. Right? So little things like that. Where would someone, all those kids you're talking about, those humans that you're talking about, where would they know that? Where would they go on social media to find those messages? If they didn't, someone didn't lead them to look. Right. So you always, wherever you go, you know that you have strength. Yeah. You come in with your open heart. Yeah. You wait to see how someone receives, because you have an open heart. Yeah. That's how you start your, your day. Yeah. So you, you come in with that open heart. Teachers, too. Let's teach them to be able to come in with the open heart. If they have to close it, you have to close it for the day. Sometimes you do. There's negativity yeah. around. Don't Values. let it hit you. Yeah. Don't let it take you down. And yeah. if you meet someone with positivity, like I did the first time I met you, yes. you jump in. Absolutely. Right? And you continue the conversation and you make it bigger yeah. and bolder and better and look where it yeah. leads. It becomes expansive. Absolutely. Right? That's it. And, and I believe that like when we, you know, lead with that type of energy, it also gives others like permission to do that. Because sometimes we need to see oh. people do it first. You know, that's just kind oh. of how, how it is. We need to see it, you know, like in a tangible way. It's like, okay, maybe I could be there as well, you know, like, because mm. like energy is contagious and they say misery loves company, but, um, but so does joy. It's, right? it's really true. Yeah. It is. The, the power of the, the mindset, you know, and that goes into um, our, our last theme. And some of these teachers, let me just read a few of those. And it says, I feel like all the trauma and hurt we carry affects our ability to educate at our fullest. We are taught to pretend, shake it off and move on. Less than perfect is not enough. An ideal is causing us to keep it all closed up. I am a great teacher when I give it all up to God and allowing him to teach through me, then only then will I teach to my fullest potential. So that literally goes to like what you're talking about, about having that open heart and being open to him um, to receive, but also be that example as well. There's this young kid, the total opposite of what the program is made for, very well put together. You know why he says he comes to the program? So that he can experience the negative and remind himself how lucky he is every day. Wow. Like that. That's wow. a really good way to check in on gratitude. This kid <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. That's gratitude, right? Like how someone that comes to hear these things so that they can learn it. When I left teaching and now that I run my camp and my practice, I'm, I'm a boss, which yes. I don't like being. I don't like, I like being, be a title. I like being a leader. Okay. I make people uncomfortable because I always see their potential before they do. Uh, and sometimes I raise my expectations of what they can accomplish before they even recognize it. That's what you mentioned, the, the, you know, the stuff that you don't know, you don't know. Right. So I have to hold that back. I'm learning. But this year with my staff, I sat down, I said, I want anonymously because I like that anonymous yeah. piece. Tell me what you liked and didn't like about who I was as a leader. Because I have no idea how to be a leader yeah. for you. Yes. I know how to be yes. a leader for me, right. but I'm an energetic initiator, motivator, I take yes. control. So checking in on that now will give me that backup of all these people with anxiety and autism and ADHD as staff, because yeah. I hire them as staff as much as campers, that they all may change. And that change is massive, right? Because it creates a community that supports more and more people. Well, that's beautiful. And that's really what it's all about. Like, you know, creating a community that's supportive and for us to, um, you know, allow people to be seen, heard, understood and supported, you know, the, the, the way how you handle that is very proactive and that's what pushes things forward. That's what builds connections that, you know, that that's just beautiful.
most. In conclusion, you know, with, with all the things that, that we discussed, like, what do you feel are, are, are the takeaways, you know, that people should be taking with them? I think the, the main takeaway for, for me is always creating space to be vulnerable. Mm. I think vulnerability. Consistently. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a vulnerability is a superpower that a lot of people are afraid superpower. to tap into. But on the other side of that vulnerability, that's it's with so magic. Strength. Vulnerability has opened the doors for us in so many ways. It really has. And I, it's really beautiful. It is a superpower. That's why this program, and I love it, and I always tell people, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. It's also afraid to be like authentic, you know, because that vulnerability allows us to be authentic and just be like, hey, this is what I'm experiencing, you know, but allow us to like experience it without taking it on as our identity. Because I think that's what, you know, when we look at, you know, the responses, it's like they're taking it on as their identity, as opposed to just kind of putting those experiences on the center and just saying, hey, this is how I'm experiencing this and how can we have this energy kind of flow through us and be more proactive. Exactly. I really think I like to frame it as every person has those stories. And once you tell the story and you get it out, where do you go next? Always leave that thought process of solution, yes. right? Because and go back, give that time and space to your stories, to your experiences, check in on them, check in on the appreciation. If you feel like you've done your job and you can put them away for now, have a solution to go with them if they pop back up again. You know, this, this reminds me of, um, you know, the, the, the phrase that you always say in, in our, in our youth group, which is be a good friend, <laughs> but, but it's right not, that. but it's not just be a good friend to like, you know, others, but be a good friend to ourselves as well. <laughs> you know, that energy that we put out outwards, we also got to put it inwards, you know, we can't give from an empty, empty cup, right? So we got to make sure that we're being a good friend to ourselves and, you know, trust in the process, you know, but being open to, um, to learning, being open to connecting and, you know, not having the fear for asking help. Yeah. There's a lot of big messages here. I really hope I see your responsibility program in every school this year. I appreciate that. Yes. And we had a, an incredible conversation, lots to think about, and we want to continue these conversations. It doesn't just end years. We're going to keep it going and keep this energy flowing. And I'm excited. Yeah, Beautiful. Thank you for, for sharing with Thank us you. and adding Thanks your expertise and yeah. speaking your truth. Yeah. It's incredible. So yeah. Thank you for enduring the energy. This is our space. Thanks for having me. Thanks for staying in my energy. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Okay. I'm Shauna Ackerman, registered psychotherapist, PharmaCare's community. All right. And um, I'm Neil Lodge-Donaldson, um, founder of Stolen from Africa and executive director. I'm Seekin Akinsanya. I'm a community guy. I'm an entrepreneur and uh, just a lover of life. That's good. Well, I'll take the lover of life too. I'm a lover of life too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Hey, look at that. Yay. That was fun.